Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 and 150 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about something a bit more conceptual. So over the last couple of weeks and, you know, generally on this podcast, I've been focusing on very pragmatic, practical things that you can put into use uh, in your practice as a manager. Like, for example, the last couple of episodes, we've been dealing with uh, the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic and sort of transitioning into a management role uh, in this sort of weird, uncertain environment. But this week, I want to spend this episode, I want to spend a bit more time on something more conceptual, uh, something that's more evergreen, uh, which is this philosophical question almost, like, you know, what goes into a good manager, right? Why is it that some people can be good managers and some people simply can't seem to be good managers? So there are more other related conceptual questions that you can ask to these two questions that I've sort of uh, put forward here. One of them is uh, the question, why is it there's so many bad managers around? Like, why can't they seem to improve themselves? And I've been thinking about this for over the course of an, of a year, uh, ever since I sort of heard of a the, my, the first sort of plausible answer to it that I thought was actually useful. So before we go into that answer and I explain who I heard it from and so on and so forth, you know, let, let's go through a couple of possible answers that I don't think is particularly useful, but comes up because it's sort of common sense, right? Or it's obvious and you would naturally say. So why is it there's so many people who are bad at managers or who are bad at management and can't seem to ever improve or do obvious things that you think, you know, all good managers should be able to think about and reason about and do? Well, one obvious, very obvious, especially in my field, is this idea of you don't like management, right? So uh, I used to be a programmer. I have many friends who are programmers, and I know many of them who would never, ever in their lives ever want to shift to a more management role. They like uh, working as an individual contributor. They love building code. They love writing code and, you know, building things, writing code. But if they had to transition to management they actively resent it. And I think it's not so bad for those of my friends who work in Silicon Valley companies because they are two-track promotion paths where you can sort of uh, continue to be promoted as a pure software engineer if you're in Google, Facebook, Palantir. Um, but it's a lot more difficult if you are in a any in a normal company uh, outside of Silicon Valley where you know at some point in your promotion progress, you eventually have to switch to become a manager. And if you're in a startup, you know, it's usually the case that whoever is the early employee finds themselves given management tasks later on, regardless of whether it's officially in their title, because that's just the way startup works, right? Like, yeah, startups grow, and then you find yourself responsible for the output of others because you happen to have the most knowledge in the company, and they rely on you to sort of scale the team. So one obvious answer here, which I don't think is particularly useful, is that you don't like it, right? So you don't like management, and so therefore people who don't like management just suck at it because they're never, um, you know, uh, motivated to go and learn it. And to some extent, that's kind of true. Um, but I don't think it's particularly useful because if there are lots and lots of skills, if you think about it, right, even as a programmer, there are lots of things that you have to do, uh, regardless of your role, where you don't really like it, but you put in the effort because you think it's worth it to your job and you do a good enough job at it. So I'm not talking about lack of motivation in this particular case. I'm talking about people who can't seem to ever improve, right? It's almost as if they are born in such a way that they can never 
never be a good manager. And you might disagree that such people exist, but I would recommend that you go and think about how to hire a manager in your company and you will quickly come across people who mess up uh, certain sections of their company. So everything's going well in this department or that department, small department because you're a small company, and then you promote them to manager or you hire them in as manager and suddenly that department, you know, things start to break. Uh, people leave, they aren't happy, you find that anything that involves this particular department when it's cross-department sort of coordination, it seems to break down. Uh, you hear lots of weird rumors and stories in your company about that department, so on and so forth, right? So yes, very obvious, very, you know, normal sort of hypothesis that uh, whether you want or you're interested in management would mean how good you are. But I reject it because I don't think it's true that if you don't like something necessarily, you can't get good at it. Um, I think you can be reasonably okay at it and maybe not great at it, You can, but you can improve. But there are certain people that I've dealt with who just cannot be a good manager. They're just laughably, very horribly bad. Um, and everybody can tell, right? Because with management, if you mess up, everybody under you is affected. And other parts of the organization that depend on you will be affected as well. So I finally have a useful answer. And I, I think I first heard of this from Ben Horowitz, who is a venture capitalist, who is famous for this book, um, that sort of semi-management, semi-CEO Bible called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. He also has an incredible book uh, published more recently about company culture and building company culture. That's really useful. I probably will read that and write a summary slash review and talk about it on the podcast soon. Um, but his sort of thing is that managers, not everyone can be good managers. And the, his reason for that is that good managers have two things, right? They are, first of all, they're good with people. This is obvious. You need to be able to model and understand how people think. You need to be able to deal with people well and get on well with maybe not everyone, but a large segment of humanity. Um, and you need to be able to know their intentions and read into their actions, you know, what they want to do, or what kind of person people they are. Um, and the, so they're good at people, and this should be obvious to you. But the second thing might not be that obvious. It's that they must be good system thinkers. And what I mean by good system thinkers is that you can sort of look at a policy or a set of policy, and you understand how the incentives in those policies sort of uh, create behavior, affect human behavior. So every time somebody in the company, the CEO, the management wants to change something, they immediately know how that's going to affect their team. They immediately can predict how it's going to affect the dynamics between teams because inside organizations, uh, in organizational behavior, if you want to use the academic term, incentives are everything, right? And so the systems that you have really affect the sort of uh, interpersonal people relations within the company. And as a manager, you do need to have an ability to sort of reason about these changes, reason about these policies and how it affects actual human behavior, whether it is, you know, people you're dealing with in the company as your, your peers or your bosses or your subordinates. So um, I'll tell you a story now, uh, which I think highlights this pretty well. Uh, but I'm sure if you think about your experiences, you can think of many, many uh, examples where managers just don't get it, right? And they don't get it because they are not good at one of these things. And Ben Horowitz says that you need both, and both skills are actually quite rare in the same people. And if you don't have an inclination or an ability to be good at both, then you just simply cannot be a good manager, 
And, you know, it's this sort of, it makes sense when you think about it because people who are good with systems, they tend to be engineer types, they tend to be programmer types, and they're not that good with people. And then people who are good with people tend not to be as good as at thinking in terms of systems. So it's relatively rare to find this in uh, these two skills, these two sort of, um, what do you call it, abilities in the same person. Um, so the story is, story goes, I have a friend who uh, works at a startup and recently they started firing people. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, they started firing people without warning. And this came as a total surprise to him. It came as a total surprise to his boss who got fired. Just one day, uh, man, upper management gave him a call uh, outside office hours and said, hey, so your boss is no longer working with us anymore. He was requested to leave. And my friend was shocked because nobody saw this coming. For all he knew, like, you know, everybody thought that the boss was doing a good job. So it was a shock. And obviously, you, you can sort of see warning signs, right? There's a red flag there. I've talked a lot about firing on this podcast and on the Management for Startups website. And I always say that, you know, firing should never be a surprise to anyone, especially not to the person being fired. Um, and so in this case, you know, that's that's okay. So he got fired. But that's not the worst thing. The worst thing was inside the organizational chart, the company decided not to update this and decided not to update anyone about the firing. And it turned out there were a couple of other people who were being fired around the same time over the course of a few months. And as a result, right, because it was a complete surprise and because management didn't want to affect morale by hiding this, so they didn't want to announce it to anyone, as a result, my friend had to field requests from other teams when they were doing cross-department cooperation, like, hey, you know, have you talked to your boss? And I said, oh, yeah, my boss, about that. He's no longer here. And so naturally, the news started to spread throughout the organization. And people began to worry for their jobs because it wasn't just my friend's boss who was fired. There was a number of other people who were unexpectedly fired here today, gone tomorrow, and nobody really knew about it because it wasn't uh, loudly announced um, in the company. And so the news sort of spread as it does, as you would naturally, because if you want to get work done across departments, you would reach out. And suddenly, um, you know, there's not even like the emails were not cancelled or, or they just the emails, they were locked out, but then there was no sort of notice that uh, this email no longer exists because the email still existed. They just didn't want people, nobody responded, right? The, the, the guy who left no longer responded to his emails. And so this really bizarre decision made ostensibly for a good reason, which is not to panic or affect the morale of uh, everyone, um, started to backfire because as a net result of these policies, a, the, per the news eventually got out. B, people began to think that management wasn't being level with them. C, people began to worry about their own jobs because nobody saw this coming for the people who got fired, right? Uh, including the people getting fired themselves. And, and, and D, uh, they didn't know. It was like quicksand. They didn't know who would get fired next. They didn't know which department might be shut down or reorganized. Uh, they didn't know uh, any certainty that the projects they were working on would be affected by somebody being fired, perhaps in another team or perhaps even in their own team, right? And as a result, people began to start making plans to leave the startup. So if you hear this story, you'll be like, oh my God, that's a really stupid thing. But you have to remember that the entire management team signed off on this. Everybody from CEO to COO to, you know, all the other sort of line managers in the upper management um, sign off on this policy. How could they do this? 
how could they not predict uh, that this was going to happen, right? And so the answer is, maybe they're good at people. You would like to think that the CEO is a particularly sales-driven guy in this particular case. He's good at people he can model, but he doesn't have the ability to reason about systems. And because he can't reason about systems, he makes this completely stupid sort of this, uh, decisions around management that have long-term implications on his company. So what's going to happen now is that people are likely going to leave. But people don't leave companies immediately. They make plans. They settle, um, they settle their projects. They begin to put out feelers. They practice for interviews. And they slowly go out for interviews. It could take months. And within a couple of months, what's going to happen, I predict, is that people will leave the company um, maybe they might not leave now because COVID-19 uh, is a complicating factor. Uh, the broader economy is not doing so well. But in a more normal time, people will leave the company and they won't leave it immediately after this policy was put in place. They would leave a couple months from now, right? Uh, and so if you are not particularly good at management or at systems thinking in this particular case, you wouldn't put two and two together and draw a clear causal line from the policy decision you made today to the raft of people leaving the company a couple months from now. And that is why management is difficult, right? And some people can't be good at it. Um, you have to have both. You have to have an ability to reason about systems and incentives, especially in an organizational manner, and you have to be good with people, the, dealing with the politics and dealing with people and dealing with subordinates and so on. So um, how do you use this? I think the best way to think about this and to use this is to, when you're looking at yourself, you should split skills that you lack into uh, systems versus people. And if you're not very good at people, then you focus on that skill. But you keep in mind that the goal here is to get better with dealing with people, getting better and modeling people and predicting what they're going to do next um, versus another set of skills, which is understanding organizational behavior, understanding how incentives uh, work and affect human behavior within your company, right? Mapping up politics and the, 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 the effect that policies have on interdepartmental politics. So that's one way, right? You split the skills that you need to learn into either skills, into either, sorry, into either people or systems. And the second way is, and I don't really have a good answer for this yet because I've been, I'm still thinking about it, is that when you're hiring and evaluating potential managers for your startup, right? Evaluate them on these two skill sets, I don't have a good test for this yet. I do have some ideas and I would report back to you when I have better thoughts on it. But I thought this was a fairly useful conception of you know, what makes for a good manager and it sort of explains why some people simply cannot be good at management. Um, with that, I have to end. It's uh, 15 minutes, so that's it for this week. Cedric out. <laughs>